Tonight, God's Word comes to us from the book of Colossians, Colossians chapter 1. We are going to be reading together the first 14 verses of this chapter. Colossians chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. What we hear now is God's Word. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and the faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints of light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Here we end the reading of God's holy word. Well, tonight we are beginning a new series of sermons for our evening study, a series of sermons on Paul's letter uh, to the Colossian church. And I'm always um, excited at the beginning of a new sermon series. I think this one perhaps in particular, as I've been working with the book of Colossians for the last few weeks, uh, Colossians so beautifully combines the importance of not only knowing our doctrine, but living a faithful life. It's sometimes easy for us to drive a wedge between those two. Oh, it's really important to know the right things, but how you live doesn't matter so much. Or, how you live is all that matters. Doctrine, doctrine divides. Paul, in this letter, so beautifully puts together the importance of what we know and the importance of how we live. What we do is based on what we know. There's an intimate connection between the two, between instruction in the faith and application in the faith. If I was to suggest a theme for the book of Colossians, 
It would be found in Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 and 7. I believe I think here in these two verses, Paul sums up his, his letter to them. Colossians 2, verse 6. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Paul beautifully brings together what they were taught and how they had to live. It wasn't simply an intellectual exercise, this instruction in the faith, but the instruction affected the choices that they made and how they lived their Christian life. The book of Colossians is a call to Christian maturity, a call to Christian maturity in our faith, in our knowledge of God, and in our walk with God. It's a book that affects how we live. A few uh, things by way of introduction. Uh, this book does come from Paul, verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus. Paul is writing them as an apostle, which speaks of the authority with which this letter comes. Paul is not coming just to give them good advice or some good suggestions. Uh, Paul comes and says, I'm coming to you as an apostle. I'm coming to you as the emissary of Jesus Christ himself uh, to speak to you. And of course, as such, um, the authority of the book speaks to us as well. That apostolic authority was not only for this church, the church at Colossae, but is for our church too. We are instructed by the Word of God through the Apostle Paul. Paul, an apostle to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae. Um, Colossae was, was at one point a very major city. When this letter is being written, not so much anymore, uh, but still an important city in the, in the empire. He's writing to the saints, to the faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae. As I said, it's a book about, about spiritual maturity. Paul sometimes begins his letters saying, I'm writing to you because you have this problem going on, and I'm going to address that problem. He doesn't do that here. He says, I'm writing to you as saints. I'm writing to you as faithful brothers, but that you would grow in your knowledge of God, and you would grow in your desire to live for Him. It was a mixed church of both Jews and Gentiles, yet now learning to live together, the saints and faithful brothers, who were doing well and were going to be encouraged to continue in what they had been doing. Paul doesn't come and say, you're doing all things wrong. He says, no, you've been doing things so well, but I want you to continue to grow. Don't, don't, uh, don't plateau. Don't stagnate in your, uh, your love for knowledge or your desire to walk with God but continue to increase in your faith and your walk. A book about spiritual maturity, continuing to walk with our Lord. Paul begins this book with a prayer for the church. He gives thanks to God for them and he prays on their behalf. Verse 3, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Paul gives thanks to God for this congregation. And, and he tells us why it is in particular 
he gives thanks to God for them. It really gives us three reasons. First of all, he said, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. Paul says, we've heard of your faith. Now, remember, uh, Colossae was not one of the churches Paul planted. Paul planted several churches, but this was not one of them. He has heard of them, but, but he does not know them personally. In fact, go down to verse 7. He says, just as you learned the gospel from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf. He has made known to us your love in the Spirit. Paul did not know them personally, but he is praying for them because he has heard of their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I've heard about you, and I'm praying for you, and I am thanking God for you. He doesn't begin by saying, we thank you for your faith. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we heard about your faith. A reminder that God had come to them. God comes first. God initiates the contact with them through the preaching of the gospel. And they would respond in faith to him. They were the recipients of the gift of God's grace as they responded to the gospel in faith. We thank God for we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, first of all, and second, of the love you have for all the saints. Paul has heard about the love they have for the saints. Again, their faith expressing itself in the relationships they had in the church. Notice what he says. We have heard of your love for all the saints. I think if we are honest with ourselves, we would have to say there are some saints that are easier to get along with and some saints that are harder to get along with. He doesn't say uh, we've heard that you get your, your love for those who agree with you. Your love for those with whom you spend time. Your close friends. We have heard of your love for all the saints. God calls his people to be distinguished by a love for one another. Now, that doesn't mean we're all going to know each other at the same level. We will have closer and less close friends. But, but that love in Christ Jesus for the brothers and sisters in Christ should be evident. Paul says, we have heard about this, how you show love for all the saints in the church. We thank God for your faith in Christ. We thank God for your love for the saints. And we thank God for the hope that you have laid up for you in heaven. They would live in a particular way because they had the assurance of eternal life. They knew they were going to spend an eternity with their Lord, and to use theological terms, their eschatology affected their ethics. Their hope for the future affected the way they live now. If we are going to spend an eternity with our Lord and Savior, well then right now let's start living for Him. Living in a way that is pleasing to Him. You have this hope for the future because you have received the gospel 
And that gospel continues to go out, he says, which has come to you as indeed the whole world. It is bearing fruit and increasing as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in the truth. They were the recipients of the gospel. And Paul says, that gospel keeps going out. It's going out even among you, he said. As you grow in your knowledge of the gospel and your response to that knowledge in the way that you live. Paul thanks God for this church. If Paul were praying for us, would his prayer be the same? Would he say, we thank God for you, for we have heard of your faith. We know that you are those who recognize the grace of God, who by faith have embraced that grace, and who now want to live for him. Would he say, we thank God for you because we have heard how you love one another. Oh, not just a few. How the church is characterized by a love for each other. We have heard that because you have the hope of heaven right now, your lives look a particular way. As I said, it's a call to Christian maturity that God would, would bring the church along, would grow the church in sanctification. And that certainly should be our prayer that, that God might continue to work in our midst. He's established a wonderful, faithful, loving church here in Chino. But we must pray that God continue to work in us. Continue to grow us closer to Him, closer to each other, and closer to His, His call to faithful living. Paul says, I thank God for you. I thank God for you, but I still challenge you toward greater spiritual maturity. After giving thanks for them, Paul now goes on to pray specifically for them, his intercession for the church. Verse 9, And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. And as we look at this second half of this introductory part here, and the prayer that Paul makes for the church, we learn something about what our prayers for the church should look like. First of all, we see the manner in which Paul prays for the church. He says, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. Paul's prayer for the Colossian church was not a casual thing, not something that happened once in a while. He says, we've not stopped. We have not ceased praying for you deliberate, continual, ongoing prayer for this church. How much time do we spend praying for our church, for our congregation? Do we regularly, deliberately, specifically bring the needs of God's people before the throne of grace? Paul says, I haven't stopped praying for you. Paul calls us to be regular and, and, and disciplined in our prayers, to pray for the church, to pray for, for the office bearers of the church, that God would bless the elders with wisdom as they give uh, guidance and counsel in the direction of the church, that God would bless the deacons with loving hearts 
as they minister His mercy, that God would bless the ministry of the Word as it goes on day and Sunday after Sunday. Regular, ongoing, deliberate prayer for the church. Prayer for the communion of the saints. That we do continue to grow closer together, that God continues to build up the bonds of love between us. That we, that we have a passion for the gospel that we received going out from us. That we pray that God would continue to send the gospel out, not only corporately from the pulpit, but that God would use us individually to bring the truth of the gospel to those in our circle of influence. How much time do we spend praying that God might use us Weak and frail as we are, God might use us to advance the causes of His kingdom and the blessing of the gospel. That God might give us opportunities to share the truth that we know. Paul says, I have not stopped praying for you. The manner of his prayer. We see the content of that prayer. I have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Paul prays that they would be filled with the knowledge of the will of God. Now when Paul prays this, he's not praying that they have some, some special insight into God's secret will. They're talking about his, his, his declared will, His open will. Remember children, when Paul was writing this letter, uh, the New Testament hadn't been finished yet. They had the wonderful Old Testament scriptures, but, but the New Testament was not complete. So Paul says, I want you to grow and increase spiritual maturity in your knowledge of the will of God. And I'm going to help you with that because I, as an apostle, am going to tell you what that will is. Paul, in many ways, says, I want you to grow in the knowledge of his will, and this is that will. In the later chapters, he's going to tell us, how then shall we live? A prayer that we that we grow in our knowledge of God's will, and then in the instruction, listen to the instruction that the apostle gives to us. But we don't have apostles anymore today. We don't need apostles anymore today. We have the finished, completed revelation of God in the Scriptures. And all the will of God that we need to know is revealed to us here. And Paul says, I am asking that you may be filled with that knowledge, filled with that instruction from God's Word. It's not a prayer that we take on our lips, that we would be filled with a knowledge of the will and Word of God. Because God has provided means by which we can do that. God has given us easy access to His Word. How much time do we spend in a day alone with God being instructed in His will from the Scriptures? How much time do we spend in our families, our family devotions, instructing them in, in the knowledge of God's will? What, what, what priority do we place on the importance of coming to hear God's will publicly declared on the Lord's day? Is it our prayer that we grow in the knowledge of God's will? If that is our prayer, then God has given us wonderful means by which to do that. At home, at church, with our families, with our brothers and sisters in Christ. 
we should not pray that we grow in God's will and then ignore the means He's given to us. Prayer that God would help us to use those means profitably. Good students of the Bible and be instructed in our faith. The manner of his prayer, he, not, he does not cease to pray for them. The content of that prayer, that they would know the will of God. And then the goal of that prayer, verse 10. That you may know his will so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. Again, we might know the truth so we can walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. The Word will affect our lives. And, he, and Paul says, when that happens, you will know that because you will see certain things going on in your life. First thing, he says, that Word will bear fruit in every good work. If we are growing in the knowledge of God's will and walking in a manner worthy of that knowledge, we will see the Word of God bearing fruit in our lives. It will change, it will direct the way we live and the choices that we make. And when we get to chapter 3, Paul is going to be very specific about directing wives how they should live and husbands how they should live and children how they should live and parents how they should live. He's going to be very directive to them. He says, that will be evidence that you are walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. Because that, that word is going to be bearing fruit in every good work in your life. Secondly, he says, not only bearing fruit, but increasing in the knowledge of God. The wonderful thing about the word of God is the more we study it, the more we desire to study it. It, it, it. it is that which draws us in. There are such wonderful, beautiful truths given to us here that the more time we spend in the Word, the more time we want to spend in the Word. That's what Paul's getting at. Increasing in the knowledge of God. He prays you'd have a knowledge of His will and you would increase in that. Spiritual maturity. He's not saying you don't know anything. He says you do know things and continue to grow in that. A challenge we need to hear as well. Many of us are the beneficiaries of years of biblical instruction. And it's, it's easy to say, well, yeah, we've kind of had enough. We kind of know enough now. But Paul says, no, continue. Continue to increase in the knowledge of God. Continue to grow a desire to learn more. A desire to be, to be more deeply instructed in the truths of God's word that it might affect our life that we live every day. He said, bearing fruit in every good work, increasing the knowledge of God, and third, may you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. May you have strength in your life, strength in the challenges that you face and how we stand in need of that strength. We are so weak left to ourselves. Paul says, may you be strengthened, strengthened in endurance and patience. And these words are very similar, have a subtle difference in nuance perhaps. Uh, the nuance of, of, of having all endurance is dealing with difficult situations, difficult uh, situations, circumstances we find ourselves in. And how do we deal with those, those challenges, those hard times? Patience has not to deal with such, so much difficult situations, but dealing with difficult people. 
with those people we just have a difficult time getting along with, talking to, showing Christian love, that we would be strengthened, that as, as those who know the Word of God, who love the Word of God and want to see that Word lived out, we'd be strengthened in our patience with those around us. And I, I love the words that Paul chooses to use here. He says, may you be strengthened with all power according to God's glorious might. Strengthened with all power according to His glorious might. And, and the idea he's getting at here is we're to be strengthened with the power of God. If I can give you an example. Um, if someone came in tonight, a very, very wealthy person, say a, a millionaire walks in the church tonight and chooses to give the church a gift. And so he puts, you know, a $20 bill in the offering. That'd be a wonderful thing. That'd be a blessed thing. But if he says, I want to give you a gift, not from my wealth, but in accordance with my wealth, in accordance with how God has blessed me. That would be a much stronger financial gift. That's what Paul is saying here. Not just that God will give you some strength, but you will be strengthened according to, in accordance with, His glorious might. The patience, the endurance God has had with us as we have been sinful children, willful children, and God continues to be patient with us again and again and again. Out of that great patience, may you be strengthened in accordance with the great and glorious might of God. Paul's prayer is for power. Power for the church. Not just a little bit, but power in accordance with God's glorious power and His great might. Paul says you will evidence this this walk worthy of a manner, when you bear fruit in every good work, when you increase in the knowledge of God, when you are strengthened according to His power, and, verse 12, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints of light. Giving thanks to God. Thanks for what He has done for us. And, and thanks for the spiritual blessings that we enjoy. That's what Paul talks about here. Many times in my own prayers when I give thanks to God, it's for the very physical things God has provided. And we should thank God for the physical things. But Paul highlights here the spiritual blessings that they have. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints of light. Not a physical inheritance, a spiritual inheritance. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. These are the blessings for which we give God thanks. Recognizing the depth of our sin. We were dead in transgressions and sins. Could not save ourselves. And God in His love and mercy came to us. He delivered us from that dominion of darkness. And He transferred us to the kingdom of light of His beloved Son. Paul thanks them, or says, be thankful for what God has done for you spiritually. Recognize where you were. Recognize where you are now. And when you recognize that truth and give God thanks for that, it will express itself in the way that you live. 
it will express itself in a desire for greater spiritual maturity, a greater knowledge of the will of God, and a greater desire to live in a way that is pleasing to Him. This is, this is Paul's prayer for this church, this prayer for this congregation, that they might give thanks to God for the gospel, that gospel which continues to go forth even today, that gospel that has declared that, that for all who put their hope their trust in Jesus Christ alone. All of your sins are washed away. You are taken from darkness to light. God calls you tonight. Put your faith in that Jesus Christ. Put your trust and your hope in Him and know the assurance of an eternity with Him forever. And if that doesn't change your life, nothing will. When we recognize where we have come from, when we know where we are now, how can we not say, oh God, work in me. Give me a greater desire, a greater devotion to grow in your word and the knowledge of your word. And Lord God, by your spirit, change my life, change my decisions, change my actions. Make me way, uh, live in a way that is, that is pleasing to you, that, that the fruit of that knowledge is demonstrated in the life that I live. The book of Colossians is a beautiful book. A book that so beautifully combines the, the instruction in our faith and the walk of our faith. It is certainly my prayer that God would use our study of this book in the next uh, weeks and months together, that we might be challenged, called to a greater spiritual maturity. God has blessed our church in so many ways. This church appeared to be a church blessed as well. And yet Paul says, continue. Strive, push forward. Live in such a way that as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, so you will walk in Him, rooted, built up, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in all thanksgiving. Oh, may God use this word of His to help us grow in spiritual maturity. Let's join together in prayer. Lord our God, we do thank you for, for your holy word. A word that comes to us in the Old Testament, a word that comes to us in the New Testament, a word that comes to us through the epistles of the Apostle Paul. We thank you for his letter to the church at Colossae, for his concern for that church, although he had not met them, and that he would pray diligently for them. Lord God, we know each other, we live with each other, we see each other. We ask you would give us that same devotion, that same delight in bringing our prayers, our requests, our petitions, our thanksgiving before your throne of grace. We ask, oh God, you would grow us in our spiritual maturity. Give us a greater desire a greater devotion to be instructed by you, to, to gather in your house to worship you, and to live in a way that brings praise to you. We confess we are weak, and yet you are strong. Strengthen us, O God, in accordance with your glorious might and power, that we might demonstrate our love, demonstrate our praise for all that you have done for us. Hear our prayer, O God, for Jesus' sake. Amen.